Botswana days. Yeah, I met Craig. I was actually, uh, I don't know, I was, I would say, a first year, second year apprentice in Botswana at the time. And and uh, we were hunting elephant in, uh, in an area we called Kukama, uh, which was CT2, back when Botswana was still open to hunting at the time also. So, But anyway, you know, when you get to spend 14 days with somebody, you get to really get to know them and become friends and you know uh we really I, I really enjoyed i really enjoyed hunting with him and you know just kind of see how he ticked and his and his work ethic you know every morning before uh before we'd go out he was punching away at the computer knocking out chapters of books and so it's pretty it was fascinating to to see we ultimately at the end of the safari obviously were successful and uh he took a beautiful bull at very close range. They're actually made for bow hunting, you know, and, and as long as you keep the wind and you keep sound, they're also very sensitive to sound, and especially foreign sounds, and in particular, what I've noticed throughout the years is metallic, anything metallic. And it's kind of funny, I, I often reference elephants because elephants are very much the same. Anything metallic you make, any metallic sound you make out in the field, They'll pick it up instantly, and so will have. You know, they'll do the exact same thing, and but they'll they'll never second guess or smell. Well, no, not no animal will. They'll second guess their eyes. They'll second guess their hearing, but they'll never second guess or smell. Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fall away rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment in their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordarrest.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff Team 
and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camo patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Testies. Test, test, test. Year. One, two, test, test. Testicle One, festival. One, two, test. Remember in Step Brothers? <laughs> test, test. One, two, 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 one. Test, test. <laughs> Testies, one, two. Testicles. Only have one testicle spectacles wallet and watch. We're good. Poor guy. Poor dude. Get shot in the ass and lose a nut. <laughs> it happens, I guess. You're no stranger to the podcast. Yeah, you were my first one. How was your first? Sweet. You were my, <laughs> <laughs> you were my first. Yeah, you were my first one. All right, coming to you from Laredo, Texas, here in the southern part of the state. Uh, this is Lucas Pa here on the RNA Outdoors podcast, and uh, have just spent the last four days here uh, chasing some exotic game here in South Texas, and. Uh, been having a really fun time. I don't actually want to leave, but unfortunately, all good things uh, must come to an end. But I was fortunate to uh, spend some time um, with a good friend of mine and uh, someone who uh, is no stranger to the podcast. I actually um, met Jay over in Dallas Safari uh, two or three years ago when Craig Boddington won the uh, the Weatherby Award, uh, which is really probably one of the most um, highest ranking awards that you can win uh, in the hunting and outdoors uh, industry and uh, was fortunate to uh, meet Jay Langdecker at uh, DSC. We sat at the uh, dinner together and uh, just kind of have gotten to be friends over the last few years uh, and were able to connect and just have an awesome time and a, and a fun weekend uh, here in Laredo. So anyway, Jay, like a welcome you back to the podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me. It yeah. was a great time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, <coughs> yeah, so just kind of going back, you know, you and I met uh, at Dallas Safari. Um, Craig had invited Jason and I uh, to uh-huh. uh, his Weatherby Award dinner and gala and, and uh, was just an awesome night to be there to celebrate with him. And, and obviously the the rest of the, uh, you know, the, the folks that were there that night. Uh, but it was fun because uh, we met you at the dinner and sat at the uh, same table as you and Phil Macero and Phil's wife, Suzanne, and just kind of got to know you guys and ultimately ended up doing a podcast at the show uh, that, that year. Mm-hmm. Sure did. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So that's kind of a, a common It was thread. especially good whenever Sue spilled her glass of wine on you. That was like... Was it the whole glass or the bottle? It, it, I don't know, but it was a lot. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> I remember that. It's a good way to introduce yourself. Hey, Phil, meet my wife, Sue. There goes the wine. It was funny. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one common thread that you and I have is, you know, Craig Boddington. And maybe just briefly just share a little bit your relationship with Craig and kind of how you met Craig. And obviously it goes back many years back uh, in uh, when you were a PH in Africa. In Botswana days. Yeah, I met Craig. I was actually, uh, I don't know, I I would say a 
first year, second year apprentice in Botswana at the time, and and uh, we were hunting elephant in uh, in an area we called Kukama, uh, which was CT two, back when Botswana was still open to hunting at the time, also. So, but anyway, you know, when you get to spend fourteen days with somebody, you get to really get to know them and become friends, and you know, uh, we really, I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed hunting with him and, you know, just kind of see how he ticked and his, and his work ethic, you know, every morning before, uh, before we'd go out, he was punching away at the computer, knocking out chapters of books. And Mm -hmm. so it was pretty, it was fascinating to, to see. We ultimately at the end of the safari, obviously were successful and, uh, he took a beautiful bull at very close range. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing about Craig is he's continually writing and journaling and all his adventures and the books he read, you know, obviously the books he writes, but also with SCI, he's putting out monthly, um, editorials and just Uh constantly writing. And Uh there's so much knowledge you can gain just by reading some of, some of his editorials that he writes. He's, I mean, he hunted in Kenya. So, I mean, that was, you know, in 77 when Kenya closed. So he hunted, he's been hunting Africa since prior to that. And that was, if I remember correctly through, my reading and knowledge of uh, that was his first safari yeah. in Kenya. Yeah. Over, I mean, well yeah. over 100 safaris. Yeah, well over. 100 buffalo, I mean, uh, yeah. Fascinating. And one of the things that resonated with me from his speech was is how, you know, when you get nominated for the Weatherby Award, it's so many species, so many countries and continents, but duplicates don't count, no, right? No, they don't count, no. Yeah, so you think about all the buffalo and all the animals he's he's harvested and all those duplicates that he's had. So he's probably won the Weatherby Award how many times yeah, around, exactly. right, right, with his background. So, yeah, just a great guy, and, and uh, you know, he's a local in our town where, where I live and <clears throat> see him quite often at some of the NRA uh, dinner events, and, you know, he's, a lot of times he's downtown eating dinner with Don, and we'll run into him and mm-hmm. just a good guy and and uh just the knowledge and the the experiences that he's shared and the stories he has is always fun to and he's always got a story about something if you bring up an outfitter if you bring up um you know an area in a certain country he's been there he'll tell you a story about it it's just amazing the the amount of experiences of he's had mm-hmm. yeah. all over the world yeah yeah, so kind of fast forward. So um, after DSC, I know you and I kind of kept in contact, and then um, you know this last this year uh, in Reno, SCI moved to uh, from Vegas to Reno this year. So we connected um, at SCI as well, and we're able to catch up. Uh, and um, uh, we're kind of talking about maybe putting together uh, a trip here to come out to uh, South Texas. And uh, you know, black buck has always been something that um, when I went to South America. Um, about 10, 12 years ago, um, it was an animal that I wanted to harvest and I didn't, and I kind of regretted not doing it down there, but I'm also hindsight looking at it, happy that I didn't, uh, just because I know the quality of the black bucks down in South America aren't quite uh, as big as some of the ones that you guys are, are raising here in, in South Texas. So you and I connected and, and kind of planned this trip, uh, and, uh, as, crazy as it is it's amazing how fast time happens i mean that was in january you and i were talking about uh-huh. this here we're already in april and and uh, it was here uh, and uh, so yeah so came out to uh, laredo and and um, you know you picked me up and and we went out and shot my bow and we kind of started the uh, the first day with going after javelina which um, was an experience for me i've never hunted javelina I've, I've hunted in arizona but never had the chance to hunt javelina and uh 
I was actually, you know, surprised at, um, you know, not so much, obviously we know they have terrible eyesight, but, um, you know, their sense of smell is actually pretty good. And they did wind us a few times on a couple of the stocks that we were on surprisingly. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like almost all animals, they have a few scents that are really good, obviously some that aren't, and then you've got some animals that it, it doesn't matter sight smell yeah. hearing i mean they've got the whole package but javelina clearly i mean they don't see you very well when you're stalking in on them no they don't they um they're actually made for bow hunting you know and and as long as you keep the wind and you keep sound they're also very sensitive to sound and especially foreign sounds and in particular what i've noticed throughout the years is metallic anything metallic and it's kind of funny i i often reference elephants because elephants are very much the same anything metallic you make any metallic sound you make uh -huh. out in the field they'll pick it up instantly and so will javelinas they'll do huh. the exact same thing and but they'll they'll never second guess or smell well no not no animal will they'll sure. second guess our eyes they'll second guess our hearing but they'll never second guess yep. or smell yep you know. see you once hear you twice but if they smell you Gone. Yeah, done deal. Yeah. What was interesting about them was, is I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a couple times they winded us, and and uh, if we change positions, I mean, within a few minutes, they typically come back out and start feeding. And right. They are a diurnal animal, correct? Correct. So they do come out during the day, and they yes. they sleep at night. So unlike a lot of pigs, like for us, the wild pigs a lot of times become nocturnal, where they're much more active in the evenings and in bed up during the day. Feral so hogs will, yeah. Yeah. The warthogs are diurnal also. Yeah. So yeah. So we had fun. We uh, we went out to uh, one of your one of your ranches and and uh, met CA, pretty cool guy, and mm -hmm. went out and uh, got in on a pretty good group of javelina and uh, made a few stocks and uh, was able to connect on a on a pretty good boar. I think it was about 30, 35 yards, mm -hmm. and uh, smacked him smacked him with my bow, ran Great off, shot. And, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, like you said, they're they're pretty light skinned and mm -hmm. and i think as quick as i released that arrow i saw the sparks of the broadhead right. hit the ground and by then it had already mm -hmm. blown through him and gone through yeah and, and he ran off and see was able to track him down and and pull him out and uh yeah it was fun it was it was neat it was a different experience and um you know i'm like I say never hunted javelina before and ended up taking a pretty good boar so mm -hmm. i was pretty happy with that oh it was you, you did a fantastic job and you know, once we got the wind completely right, it all worked out. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the way um, having the hunting goes. It can, it stayed steady for us long enough in order to get it done, and and it was it was, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So you you also guide for Havelina, correct? So. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I don't guide much anymore, but um, uh, I definitely organize the hunts, set people out, you sure. know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. The it was neat. And the country here is, it's crazy. When, when you picked me up and we were driving, I, it, I, I had a sense that I was back in Africa mm -hmm. for, for just a, you know, mm -hmm. when you brought it up and we were talking about it and you, the mesquite trees and kind of the Okatia and that, that type of landscape, I, it, it feels a lot like Africa cause it's very dense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's you know, obviously a lot of game ranches and it's very similar to, to how Africa is. The red dirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The red dirt, the caliche. And so it was kind of neat being here because there was, like I say, there was some, um, some experiences that I felt like it was almost like we were back in Africa. You've got these, you know, long fence lines that have these clear cuts down mm -hmm. them and it felt, it felt a lot like that. So that was, it was cool. Yeah. So yeah, after Havelina, um, you know, we were kind of here targeting um, to hunt black buck, uh, which, again, has has been uh, an animal that's been on my list for for quite a while, and just haven't had really the opportunity to to make it happen. But uh, 
we uh, we were able to uh, get out on another one of the ranches um, that you uh, that you work at and and uh, a lot of black buck on that ranch surprisingly a lot of black buck yeah they, they do a very good job of predator control that that property um, and that's what they it takes to for black buck to su- succeed in southern Texas we our predator we have more predators in southern Texas than they do in other parts further north so therefore in order to uh, have a thriving black buck population, you need to stay on top of it. And mm-hmm. black buck are smaller animals, so you know I've, I've I've seen I know of friends that have had a full-grown black buck get caught and killed by a bobcat. Have wow. seen it happen. So, so yeah, it'll just give you an idea that they they have a really tough time down here. But if you stay on top of it and and make terrain that's conducive to their to their being, they'll be they'll be just fine. Yeah. You know, yeah, and this place is pretty neat because I mean it's obviously more of a whitetail ranch, but um, lots of real grand turkeys mm-hmm. on the property, and and uh, obviously the black buck, yeah, and sable and gemsbok. Yeah. Pretty neat to see some mm-hmm. of the African species there, and I know you were kind of pivotal in getting some of those species yeah. there. I think you captured and helped help transplant those animals there. Yes, I did. I did. I captured all, pretty much all, almost all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the in the plan with the gimsbuck and the sable is eventually just you know, to you know right now they're more of a passion ornament than anything else. And yeah. Eventually they will be for uh, you know for sale and in, in, in for either hunting purposes or for uh, restocking of other properties in the mm-hmm. area or further out. You know, sure. No telling, but it just it is a uh, uh, it's a it's a fascinating market and and um, some. Something that's available to the hunter in Texas that's not available everywhere. Anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we went out the the first day, and uh, you know we got into quite a few rams. We actually stalked within about thirty five to forty yards of a of a group of bachelor rams, and mm-hmm. there was a um, a pretty really nice ram in that in that group, and then there was another mature ram along with some smaller ones. But it it was kind of neat. Cause when, when we were talking about this trip, you know, you're, you know, we were talking about, yeah, we'll do archery. And he goes, yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, I've had limited luck trying to hunt black buck with a bow, but after we did that first stock, I was kind of thinking, okay, well you get the wind on your side and you can kind of navigate through some of that mesquite. You can get pretty close to those animals, yeah. surprisingly. No, we did a very good job. And that was about as close as I've ever come to spot and stalking in this terrain, a black buck with the, with the, with the boat, with that, with that purpose, you know, I've, I've, I've had opportunities where, you know, they, you're not hunting black buck and then they end up five feet from you, you know, sure. and you wish you would have had an archery hunter at the exactly. time, you know, but, uh, but with the, with the intention of taking one with a bow on foot is, is I'll tell you what, that's about as good as it gets right there. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, it was a win. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy. They're, they're a very cagey animal. I mean, very. they're. There, I mean, we pull up, you know, in, in the side-by-side within a few hundred yards, and they are just gone. Gone. Bolting, yeah. gone. I mean, mm-hmm. one look, they'll kind of hunch up, and then they're gone. So it, That's that they don't get hunted often. It's just they're, they're yeah. you know, they're sensed to survive in, you know, predators, and they understand sure. the system. You sure. Know? Yeah. Very, very cagey. So, yeah, so we got close, and, and we stalked in and, and didn't get opportunity, and, and uh you know, and then we, we kind of hunted the rest of that afternoon and uh, ended up coming back into town and, and grabbing dinner, but kind of having the thought that we were going to get after it the next day, which when we went back out uh, on, uh, I think it was Sunday, um, it was raining. And uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. the temperature 
temperature dropped and the conditions changed, which I know, um, you know, from most standpoints, when you hunt animals in the rain, they typically hunker down and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of activity when it rains. So, right. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of the case. And, and, uh, fortunately we were able to, um, you know, get a break in the weather a little bit, uh, and, uh, find a ram that I know you had targeted and, and, uh, had hunted previously in the past. And uh, actually we saw the first morning when we went out, we had saw the first one we saw Yeah. when we came out and, and with a rifle, he gave us a beautiful opportunity, you know, And, and I had hunted him with two or three people before and had never gotten a, a real shot opportunity. And I was actually quite surprised that we caught him out like that. You yeah. Know? And, and that he gave us that much time because sure. we generally didn't. Yeah. Usually they're, uh-huh. they're gone. So anyway, so we were able to, uh, we were able to locate, um, this Ram and we had actually kind of seen him in this general vicinity or area the day previous his territory. He kept going back to Marcus territory there. Yeah. So. Which is interesting about black book. Maybe, Talk a little bit about how they mark their territory, which is something interesting. But um, black buck, they they tend to go and and I don't know defecate, defecate, the, yeah, dump, defecate in the same spot yeah. over and over and over and over. And when you uh, when you find spots like that, you know rams are using that to 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 markate their their territory. And this guy, uh, we had seen him out there in this little. You know, this old uh, oil pad flat and um, had seen where he had been defecating there. We seen him there and then saw that. So then I knew that he would be back. And and being a lone ram, uh, they generally like to live and out in the open because that way they can get a one up on predators. So. So they'll generally have try to put themselves in a place where they can see in all directions for, you know. 50 60 yards in any which way sure. and that's just part of their defense mechanism so um when we saw him one day when we drove past the day prior we drove past and we saw him laying down there and got up and run off mm-hmm. we knew that that's where he would bed up in order to protect himself from predation and then on top of that then we saw where he had been establishing territory so yeah we knew exactly you know, we had a good, we had a very good chance at, at getting him now. And sure. And I hadn't seen him do that before in the past. So, yeah, which yeah. ended up working out for us because that, that's that next day, yeah, we mm-hmm. literally came up to a, um, a pile of, of mesquite that had been cut and stacked and actually ended up working for our advantage. And you kind of popped up and, and looked over and, and kind of gave me the nod that, that he was there and we ranged him and he was roughly about 90, 92 yards, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, obviously makes for a, a bedded shot on an animal at 92 yards makes it rather difficult uh, with a, bit a bow. Of a stretch. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. It's one thing if you're, uh, you know, like hunting pigs or other things uh-huh. that you're not totally that concerned with. But even that, from an ethical standpoint, that's that's quite a distance with the bow. So yeah. um, we actually ended up uh, bumping him. We ended up pushing him up, and he ended up um, pushing out um, and left that pad. And, you know, <clears throat> I think... I don't know what what it was, and they're just so wary, you know. That he just, he just got up, and, you know. He didn't like something about the situation, and because he sure didn't smell us, yeah. You know, I think he may have seen one of us move, or you know, yeah. kind of we were there and then we weren't, you know, kind of thing, and it just made him a little nervous. But he got up and went into the brush, and then 
after about what about 30 minutes or so maybe 30 minutes yeah, yeah he decided no the brush was too thick and you know came back out into his open and that yep. was his biggest mistake he came right back out and uh you were you were down on the ground and i was sitting there watching and um i saw the silhouette and i saw him walk right back out and uh said hand me that damn rifle <laughs> we were, and you, i handed you that damn rifle yeah, you, were, you were kind of giving me a hard time because we were sitting there debating on you know do we maybe try to wait and see wait him out is he going to come in and feed is he going to come closer and he just looked at me and you're like damn bow hunters <laughs> <laughs> so i i I, I was concerned I might have made a mistake there and, until when we when we were sitting there and and uh, he came back I I knew what the right thing to do was so right. my yeah. and my biggest concern was really our weather and time constraints yeah. you know and that <clears throat> and you know if if you wanted to stick with the bow I would have stuck with the bow the whole way through but yeah. but um, but uh, yeah you know I knew, I knew how bad you want wanted one I knew how good he was and uh, yeah. um. So yeah, I was kind of hoping you would make that decision yeah. on your own. And in the same boat, I mean, I've been wanting one of these. Like I said, you know, I obviously have the ability to come back, and if I do it again, maybe come back with a little more time and, and try to do it with my bow. But yeah, right. this one just presented um, the right shot. You mm -hmm. know, perfect opportunity, less than a hundred yards, mm -hmm. and uh, placed one placed one right in the shoulder. And I don't think he went more than probably. 50 yards and, and piled I was, up. I was actually very shocked because you made a spectacular shot and you know it was a, it's a great caliber a 65 284 and and um you know I, I, I was shocked that he, he he that he took it so well because yeah. he took the shot and he ran and yeah. you know I mean he was actually behind a tree quartered mm -hmm. slightly so towards us yeah, yeah behind a tree and i just saw his head out and mm -hmm. uh when you said you know go ahead and take him behind the tree i said, eh? so mm -hmm. i had it set up and 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 just squeezed off on the trigger and yeah he uh he piled up pretty quick so yeah. it was a good quick ethical kill yeah, and, it was perfect. and uh couldn't have been happier you know when we walked up to him just a just a beautiful ram mm -hmm. good size um i always look at them and like with kudu and other spiral horn animals always kind of measure them by the amount of turns they have and right. i always kind of look for that last turn at the end out and the one like, out that one yeah. kicks out yeah, yeah. with like mm -hmm. inyala and, and obviously kudu and, and right. this black buck did the same thing yep. with that just additional little bit of turnout which made him um you know obviously a, a very mature beautiful animal beautiful animal yeah. yeah i was very happy with him yeah so uh that was a great hunt a lot of fun and and uh we got some photos and and just kind of spent some time um you know reminiscing about the 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 hunt and all that and 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 obviously enjoyed that uh and then uh yeah i came back into town and, and i'll say one of the things that's been really spectacular about this trip has been the food i <laughs> i think we've went to a different restaurant just about every day i think we've went to a couple um, one one restaurant a couple times but everything has just been phenomenal here yeah. the food is food just is fantastic incredible yeah. here in laredo and and almost reason to to come visit and come back just right. to come and have some of the, the cuisine here it's incredible yeah so anyway, yeah. And then, uh, so yesterday, um, well, I actually, when you picked me up from the, from the airport and you said, Hey, pull that black bag out. And I'm like, which black bag? You're like the one behind the seat. So I go to lift it and pull it up and it's pretty heavy. And I go and I start opening it up and it's, you know, it's about the size of, you know, probably like a, like a small duffel bag. And, uh, I unzip it and here are these matching set of blouser, basically, handguns in right. cartridge of 300 wind short and also seven millimeter 08 right 
fully scoped muzzle broke um just beautiful pieces very nice woodwork on the uh, on the on the stock so um anyway we we had gone and, and bought some ammunition for the 7mm thinking that was probably the less of the mule that was going to kick versus the <laughs> right. 300 we're a bit wary of <laughs> <Yeah>. the 300 <laughs> 300 is a little scary yeah. um but anyway we went out and uh, we went out and shot these uh these well we shot the seven millimeter 08 and um i was shocked right. at a how smooth they shot how accurate they shot and really the limited recoil behind um those blouser pistols right. was just incredible it was incredible so we started i, I had no experience with them either so yeah we were both kind of you're like, you're going to shoot it first. Yeah, I'm you're, like, gonna, right. you're the one that wants to shoot it more than I do, so you shoot it first. <laughs> you're on the phone working some stuff, and I, I put the first round in 100 yards and, and smacked the smack the uh, the target. So I was thinking, wow, that's pretty incredible. So then I grabbed my rangefinder, and I looked at the next one. was a little over 200 yards and center punched that one. Right. So at 200 yards was zeroed, uh, and then we just started having fun and ultimately both ended up shooting out to 400 yards 400 yards with that handgun, with that handgun 129 yeah. grain bullet yeah. <laughs> and center punching the the target, the target. Yeah. so kind of teed us up to maybe think about hey let's try to maybe go shoot another javelina with with this with this handgun um but yeah just just really neat i mean really cool i mean how often can you say you've ever shot a handgun let alone 100 yards, let alone out to 400 yards. Yeah, and, right? and hit what you were actually shooting at. And somewhat yeah, proficient, it, it, too. Profi- yeah, we right? did it multiple times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so we went back out um, to the ranch and, and caught up with a few of the guys out there, and we actually shot a few rounds out there to prove to those guys that... Yeah, they couldn't believe us. Yeah, they're like, there's no way that thing will hit that javelina out to 200 yards. There was a javelina target, and Still both, target, of us, yeah. both of us smacked it. So, yeah, so we went back out, and... Um, late in the afternoon and uh able to stock in on some javelina and uh one thing i will say is and it's like any shooting environment um if you're sitting on a bench everything's tight or if you're proned out and you've got a rifle shooting um controlled conditions like that are much different than setting a rifle on shooting sticks uh or in this case a a handgun which in this you know with the scope you have to actually to get the proper eye relief you got to hold it out you know almost with your with your arms fully extended so that kind of adds an element of of difficulty to it as well so um anyway we were able to uh stock in and and get within probably 100 yards ish i would say 75 to 100 yards um, of this group of javelina and uh ended up smacking smacking one yeah um, did a great job yeah made a good shot with that seven mag and and put him down and uh instantly just, yeah uh-huh. yeah right in the road one thing about the javelina is, is as you as you hunt them in the roads and other areas where there's where there's um you know areas you can actually get a shot a lot of times if you hit them they run into that that thick stuff so right. it's hard to get in there with the cactus and all the other stuff so you know my thought was is i'm just going to plant one in his head and, yeah and be done and be done and mm-hmm. that's that's what we did that's so what worked out right yeah it was fun so got to harvest a couple of javelina one with that um that uh smoke pole uh, blouser and then obviously the one with the bow and the black buck as well so it was just a just a fun trip yeah, man yeah, just I mean, a I mean, great used time a, you used a different firearm for every animal you yeah. ended up taking yeah you that's kind of neat. neat yeah it know? doesn't happen all the time yeah, it doesn't so yeah just a lot of fun and uh, like i said the the evenings and the dinners and meeting your family and and, and hanging out was to me probably the more more of the reason why i wanted to come here and hang out versus the hunting the hunting's always kind of a bonus and a plus but um it was great just, you know, spending time here and hanging out with you and getting to know you a little better and, 
and, uh, you know, enjoying Southern Texas and, and, uh, never been to this part of Texas. So, uh, you know, culturally it's, it's different. Uh, and you know, we're, <laughs> everybody you know, says that, yeah, as, as, <laughs> but it is, it's true. As we drive to uh, the hunting ranch, you know, we go through a border patrol, you know, area and, mm-hmm. you know, clearly we were, we were hunting in some areas where, um, you know, some illegal immigration is an issue around here. Right. And, uh, it's just something I've, you know, never had to deal with or never been a part of and, right. and something so, and it's just so much a part of life here. Yeah. You don't even. You're like, used to it. Like we're used. sitting there and there's helicopters swirling around. You're like, oh yeah, they're the hell, the border patrol's out, you know, looking for, you know, illegal there immigration. Some, there must be, you know, a, a group or something. Yeah. Illegals, you know, on a ranch or something that they're trying to locate. Yeah. Well, just a, a different appreciation with what these guys deal with down here and, and that really the problem that there is, you know, with, with some of that that goes on. So. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, feel totally safe here. Not like they're, you know, I feel like, um, I'm concerned being here. It's just interesting having to kind of live with that, you right. know, day in and day out. It's not something that even in California where I'm at, we, we, we probably see it. We just don't deal with it mm-hmm. to the extent that you guys do here. Right. So, so yeah, well, cool, Jay. So what's next? What's, uh, what's on the docket for you this year? Anything exciting? As of right now, no, but the, it's always open to, yeah. to suggestion, you know. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I, I tend to get wild hairs and just go do something, you know, call one or two buddies and see if anybody's in and nobody's in. I go by myself. Sure. You know? So that's kind of, kind of where I'm at on on the you know hunting side of things or and whatnot. I got lots of work ahead of me with my real job, but you know, yeah. but that's. Uh, that's another story in itself. Sure. Yeah. So I know we t- we're talking about a couple ideas and things and yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like if someone says, you know, Hey, let's go to New Zealand or let's go to Australia and shoot a Buffalo or something. Yeah. I'd be kind of like, okay. Okay. You know, yeah. if we can get the time and, and make it happen, that's, I like those spur of the moment type trips too. They're so the best. Yeah. And then, you know, anything done with any kind of spontaneity, dude, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, because you do, it's kind of all kind of half thrown together, and you know, kind of look at your ammo box and say, "Yep, I got enough shells to do this." Because if I try to order them now, they'll never get here yeah. in time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's it's always fun. Yeah. You know? Well, cool, man. Appreciate uh, appreciate you having me, oh. and appreciate being here, and thank you for coming. Fun. It's been a great time, and yeah. I look forward to you coming back, and you know, spending a lot many more days of field with you. We've we've. Uh, I think uh, I've enjoyed your company, and I appreciate uh, you making the trek all the way over here. And, yeah. You know, just having a good time. Yeah. We'll have to try to get you and Karina out and the family, bring yeah, Frankie out and come and maybe do some wine tasting. <laughs> that'd, or that'd be great. Hang yeah. out in California. I know you want to shoot a blacktail, so we'll have yeah. to maybe work on that at some point yeah, for down sure. the road and, and uh, yeah, see what happens. And then that's the beauty, I think, of kind of the the – hunting industry and the people that you meet, you know, it's, you know, hunting, I think brings people together and you meet a lot of people that way, but it's, it goes deeper than that. You know, it's the friendships and and the relationships you make that are what's really important. And, and, uh, yeah, look forward to look forward to doing this again sometime. Sounds good, amigo. Access deer next time, though. Let's do it. We need to find good access deer. Good access buck. Yeah. Let me worry about that. Just come. (laughs) Just show up. Jail, take care of it. Yeah. So anyway, good times, man. Thanks again. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, until next time. Until next time. Sounds good, man. Keep in touch. Likewise. All right. Out.
Hey everyone, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.